Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Patty, how are you this week? As per usual, Gary, I am positively fan-fucking-tastic. It has been a glorious week. I also feel like I just got so much work done this week, which always makes me happy because I hate having like an unclear, an undefined end to all the work that I have to do, but we got ahead of it and we've some exciting projects coming up in the next while, which I've, we've been hinting at the last while, um, but they're kind of coming to fruition. Um, but look, we're not here to talk about our business because coaching is pretty much closed. I know you have a few calls booked in, but we're pretty much co- closed in terms of myself and you having clients. Um, Brian obviously has still got room for clients. If anyone's looking for nutrition coaching, that's available. Um, but uh, how's life with you? Life is good. This has been my first proper week off of the summer. So I've had a very productive week. You know, we've taken on a couple of new clients, been working on um, our Coaches Corner content, sharing some new lectures today and tomorrow. So very exciting. Um, Like yourself, it's been nice to put a kind of an end point to work of the week. And, you know, I'm going to take a bit of time off over the weekend. And that's going to be a real luxury, you know. You're not allowed to do that. I'm not allowing it. I absolutely will be. I'll be fucking chilling hard, reading books and drinking pre-workout to calm myself down, you know? Great. Anyway, look, we're here to continue on with our fat loss series. Um, and in this one, we're actually going to talk about like, how do you set calories, right? Because this is something that is kind of foundational to fat loss. We've been talking about all this energy balance stuff, all this calories, blah, 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 right? But you need to know how to actually set them. Well, that's that's not true. You need to know how to manage your food so that you manage your calories, right? But if we're looking at this from the perspective that you want to effectively eat as much as possible while still getting results, it probably behooves you to understand where your calorie requirements are actually at, right? It probably makes sense to go, okay, this is roughly how many calories I should eat if I just wanted to maintain my weight. And this is roughly how many calories I should eat if I want to lose weight, right? Because that actually is a really freeing concept. And a lot of people get very caught up on like, oh, counting calories, it's really bad. You know, I've always had bad experiences with it. And in reality, the reason most people have bad experiences with it is because they try to do it completely wrong. And what I mean by that is they have a mindset going into this in terms of like, how can I eat the least amount of food, right? They'd be like, right, let's set my calories as low as possible and try to stay within that number, right? And that's not the best way to go away about fat loss. Like, yeah, you might get faster fat loss initially, but adherence is usually pretty fucking poor with that method. And psychologically, very few people can go, oh, yes, I was eating 2000 calories. Let me now stick to this 1200 calorie diet for the next six months. You know, it's like it's not going to happen. You know, most people are going to fail with that approach. So is there a better approach? Yes. Yes, there is. Right. So how do we actually go about setting our our calories? Right. So the first thing we have to understand is that like metabolism, it's not a set number. It's not like, oh, this is the exact number your metabolism like you don't have a number there go oh your metabolic rate is 2200 minus 2500 it's just it's a it is a representation like you can work that out you can use a calculator online you can find those numbers but it's not telling you the whole story because you are an individual so there's always going to be inaccuracy in these numbers until we have some degree of or some amount of data that we can you know pull from and interpret right so that kind of brings me to the first thing it's like okay 
the way most people set up their calories, the way most people go, okay, I want to go on a diet. I want to get my nutrition sorted. What they'll do is they'll Google calorie calculator, you know, something like that. They'll, they'll look up something. Maybe they know some names or like Harris Benedict formula or something, right? They'll find a calorie, calorie calculator online, maybe a calorie and macronutrient calculator online, right? And like, we have produced them before we've made them like in Excel and stuff like that and put them on our website. And like, it's a great starting point, right? No doubt about it. Using that is a great tool, right? However, the unfortunate thing is that most people put a lot of stock in the number that that spits out. And in reality, it's a best guess. Like it's not, it's not taking into account all, all that's going on, especially considering that most people use those calculators incorrectly. And most people go, oh, this has just told me my BMR. That's what I'm going to set my calories at, or that's what I'm going to reduce by 500 calories or whatever, right? Rather than what you want to do on top of that is use like, you know, an activity multiplier, right? People will just be like, no, I'm not going to do that because fuck that. Like, why would I, why would I take account of all that other stuff, you know? So we're already off to a bad foot because you say you're using a calculator, but in reality, you're not using that calculator correctly. And there's a, there's a, a saying in you know, most sciences, it's like junk in, junk out. So if you put junk data into the calculator and you don't like actually use it correctly, you're going to get junk data at the end of it. So you have to have, there is a skill to using these calculators correctly and interpreting them, you know? So that's the first thing. However, I, I don't think most people need to do that. You know, it's a great starting point for sure. Like, it's great to just be like, all right, let's bind these numbers in. Let's see where I'm at from this calculator. But there is actually a more effective method in my mind, at least, right? And that is the, what I call the average and adjust method, right? And to do this method, you basically get the calories that you've been eating for the last three days, five days, seven days, however long, you know, track that track calories. If you haven't got any data, track calories for the next week, right? And then get all that data and go, okay, this is what I have been roughly eating. You know, let's say it's on average, it, when you average out to seven days or however long, you're like, it's 1700 calories, just picking numbers out of my ass here, or let's say it's 1700 calories. And then you weigh yourself throughout that time period and you go, oh, I've actually lost two kilos in that time period, right? We know that you're in a deficit then. You know, we know that that's not representative of what you were doing because this is what often happens. Like you start tracking calories and then you change your diet as a result. So what you're doing now is not indicative of what you have been doing previously, but that doesn't actually matter too much because we can still use the data that we have from your, your how your weight has trended this, how your weight is trending this week. And then we can kind of reverse engineer things, right? Which we'll, we'll kind of come back to that in a second, right? But that's what we do at the start. Let's just go, okay, here, track calories for the next few days let's see where that comes out at in terms of the average because most people don't eat the exact same amount of calories each day it'll be 2000 one day 1500 the next day 1700 whatever right it'll be up and down but we get an average and that gives us an idea of like okay this is a good starting point to be at if you know a rate of two kilos per week fat loss is what we want right now obviously there's some water loss glycogen depletion etc so it's probably not two kilos of actual fat loss right but let's just keep the numbers simple let's just keep everything you know easy to interpret right so we go, okay so we know roughly how much of a calorie deficit we're in based on that right however the way we coach at least well the majority of the time like obviously it's going to depend on the individual that comes to us the majority of the time we set people at roughly maintenance calories for the first four weeks we'll say 
right? And the reason we do that, because I know everyone listens to that and goes, oh, I'm going to skip that step. Fuck that. I'm not getting fat loss. I'm just going to maintain for the next four weeks. Not a chance, right? And this is a, a really big mistake in my eyes, uh, or like I would say our company's eyes, right? Um, and the reason for that is the reason we go to maintenance from the start or in and around, like we're not going to know, we're not going to get it spot on. It's not going to be perfect. You know, it might be 200 below. It might be 100 above in and around maintenance that's where we're going to go at right and then we're going to again assess how the body is changing based on that the reason we do that for roughly two to four weeks is we're more concerned about setting things up correctly so that long term we get the results that we want you know like i don't want to have a client that comes to me and like yeah we get great results we lose i don't know they want to lose fucking 10 kilos of fat and then we get great two weeks or uh, four weeks of fat loss they lose two kilos and they're like yeah i'm really hyped for this but the diet is, you know, on shaky settings and it's not going to work for the next 12 weeks. And we're not actually going to achieve our end goal, even though we started out, you know, sprinting from the blocks. It's like, yeah, okay. But then you kind of just shit the bed and, you know, we didn't actually get the end result. I'm more concerned about, okay, let's take it a little bit slower initially so that by the end of this, we actually have achieved the results that you want. Right. And why would starting a maintenance make a difference? Right. And the reason is if we started that maintenance calorie level, right? We can actually build good habits. We can actually build good healthful habits. You know, it's less about, oh, we need to hit these exact numbers to see a change on the scale. It's like, no, what we're doing is we're hitting these rough numbers, you know, not exacting, but we're getting in around this calorie level so that you feel fueled for your workouts. You can actually start training hard. You feel great throughout the day. Like you get back into what we'll call it hormone balance. Like you're not constantly starving yourself. You're not like, oh, I haven't had a menstrual cycle in the last two years because I've been on and off up and down yo-yo diets. Like, no, we actually get stuff back in order. And for a lot of people, you know, four weeks is all you need. For some people, you know, it's a little bit longer. It depends on the history. That would obviously be individualized. But four weeks, it gets us set up in a good place hormonally it gets us set up in a good place like psychologically it gets us set up in a good place in terms of the habits that we are able to perform because everyone tries to engage in new habits while dieting and they're like oh i have to switch out all the foods that i was previously eating oh i have to you know engage in more meat like i have to count my steps oh i have to do xyz and habit formation in terms of like dietary and lifestyle is just harder when you're hungry you know, there's no two ways about it. You know, you're like, you're not going to lay down good habits if you associate those good habits with being more and more hungry. You know, it's like, that's no one, like you don't, you don't move into pain. Most people move away from pain. So if you're like, oh yeah, I do these new habits and I'm fucking starving the whole time. You're not going to stick to those habits. Right. And also if we start at maintenance, it allows you to build up those good habits in a, uh, a less stressful environment because you're not obsessed with the scales. You're not constantly looking at that going like, Oh, how much have I lost today? Blah, 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 which we'll come back to in a second. Right. But do you agree with that, Gary? Do you think starting at maintenance is a much better approach long-term? I actually would even argue it's much better approach short-term, but longer term for a client, like, cause obviously like we've worked with hundreds of people, probably thousands at this stage. So it's like, I've seen this play out time and time again, but is that the same as your experience? Yes. And what I would say about that is that it, it also offers benefits. I think that are related to the habits, I guess, as you said, but, but one of the things that, that I try to do is when a client signs up and I give them initial macronutrient calorie targets that I perceive to be in and around maintenance, what I try to do is let them eat as they normally do for the first one to two weeks, and then I review what they've eaten. So it can be very tempting as a trainer to, from the get-go, come out of the gate saying, 
right, I want you to have three to four servings of protein per day. I want you to have five to 12 servings of vegetables per day. I want you to eat uh, four uh, main meals per day. I want them to look like this, that, and the other. And then suddenly it's this massive overhaul of how the person normally eats. So instead of doing that, what I try to do is deliver all the initial guidelines um, and explain what we're doing, but say to the client, right, what I want you to do for the first one to two weeks is eat the foods that you normally would. Obviously, you're starting a new plan. You're going to be a bit more health conscious. So let's go ahead and eat the eat as you would, but while aiming for these targets that I've given you. And then what I get to see over that first one to two week period is how does this person approach in a eucaloric or maintenance state how do they approach their food choices and that then allows me to identify holes such as right you're not doing a great job of getting in your protein you're not doing a great job of getting in fiber etc etc so it means that that initial focus can be a bit more on trying to establish a good baseline diet rather than just the change in the scales so i think that maintenance can sometimes seem very boring for people because it doesn't seem like there's a purpose. So for me, at least in coaching, if we make it very clear that we actually are trying to assess uh, food quality, how full you are in response to this level of calories and everything initially, I think it makes it clearer the purpose of that actual phase. And that is ultimately what you should be trying to do when you are at maintenance is to, excuse me, to get some stability going. Because if you have stability, it's much easier thereafter to reduce your calories for the purpose of fat loss, because you'll have built a, a particular dietary structure and it might just be a case of, right, I'm going to remove my second snack of the day and I'm going to reduce the carbohydrate portion in meal three. And that's my deficit achieved. You have to change nothing else because you've got that stability in place first. And that's super helpful. Yeah. And it's probably the step that most people skip and it's probably the most important step because if you do get that baseline structure, you get a good diet foundation, like literally, Four weeks, it doesn't sound, well, to some people it might sound like, fuck, four weeks of not losing fat when they've become obsessed over it. I'm like, yeah, it can seem like a, a long time, but you know, two to four weeks, that's all it really takes. And like you said, I do a similar process and I'm like, look, let's see how you get on with this. Let's see how you, what you do with the diet. How do you set things up? It's like, oh, you don't eat fish or you don't eat any like, you know, marine derived omega threes, or you don't eat again, like fiber or protein or whatever it is. It's like, okay, so we need to work on those things. Or it's like, again, the structure of the diet, it might be very haphazard all over the place. There might be no rhyme and reason. Like one day it's 1200 calories. The next day it's 2000. And it's like, okay, so you're probably under fueled on these days you're probably extra hungry on these days. It's like, let's get more consistency to the diet first and foremost. And like, let's not try to do that while we're in, you know, this massive deficit and like excessively focusing on fat loss. Let's just, again, like you said, get that stability. Let's get a good diet structure. Let's build a robust diet so that again, you have something to fall back on in the future, which is important because what we want to have is uh, an exit strategy for the diet, you know? Like, what are we going to do long-term? But we'll come back to that later in the podcast, right? So that initial period, in my mind, I'm like, that's the most important thing. If you can do that right, and you can set things up where you're eating roughly enough calories to maintain your weight, I'm like, that, it, it literally does set you up so well. Because from a training perspective, like, what do you, what would you prefer to be? Well-fueled for your training or under-fueled for your training? Most people are going to say well-fueled, right? So that has the, 
knock-on effect of, you know, for four weeks, we're in a, a place where not only are you getting the diet sorted, the training on top of that, you know, it's getting into a good place. You're really adapting to that training. You're getting into a good rhythm with that. You know, it's not a case of like, you're trying to adapt to this new novel stimulus, like new training methods, whatever it is, you know, and you're in a deficit on top of that. You know, it's like, no, we want to just be at maintenance. We want to get a good structure in place. We want to really, again, find that steady footing. It sets you up for the long term. And again, as I said, I actually think it gets better results in the short term as well, because what often happens is people do that initial four weeks get that nailed down. And then, like you said, when we just go, okay, we want to eat in however much of a deficit after that, it's very easy to be like, okay, I need to adjust here and here, and that's it. And then all of a sudden, they're just getting fantastic results for the next four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is on top of that. Whereas the other person who started off and like, oh yeah, I'm just going to hammer calories as low as possible and um, from the off and don't build these good structures, these good, whatever. It's like, yeah, they get good results over the first two weeks, but then it becomes unbearable and they fall off the wagon, you know, and they come back in six weeks time after that, having gained back five kilos and they only lost two kilos. And it's like, you're on this perpetual yo-yo up and down. It's like this, you're not getting good results in the short term and you're definitely not getting good results in the long term. So let's try a different approach. Let's get this maintenance set up. Let's just focus on good dietary habits, good dietary practices. And then from there, we can focus on the fat loss. So what's the next step? You're like, okay, look, I'll, I'll follow it. I'll do it this time. I'll eat at maintenance, right? I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, right? So you do that. You calculate your calories. You find out what the number is online. You're like, okay, that's what the calculator is telling me. But then you use the average and adjust method and you you know track your calories for a few days. You get the average. You see how your weight is trending, right? How do you actually interpret that data, right? Because obviously that's pretty important. Like how do you know when you're at maintenance, right? And the way we kind of can do this is we can kind of reverse engineer, we'll call it weight loss. It's not really appropriate, but fat loss is probably more appropriate, but it's very hard, especially initially in the diet to be like, what's fat loss? What's water weight? What's going on here, right? But let's assume it's fat loss initially, which it really is. But if you lose like one kilo of fat, if you were to get like your proper one kilo of fat, right? That would be 9,000 calories, right? Because one gram of fat is nine calories, right? So there's a thousand grams in a thousand or a, a kilo right so it's like you know that's pretty obvious however that's not the way it is in the body per se you know it's not like you're going to lose one kilo of actual fat because there are other support structures along with that there's also water there's other stuff right so a general number or a general range they give out for the the if you were to lose a kilo of weight it's roughly seven thousand to seven thousand seven hundred right so that's the number that gets thrown around now it's very hard. It depends on the individual. It depends on what type of fat is stored, etc. There's a huge amount of nuance to this, which we don't need to get into because all we need to know that, or all we need to know is that roughly a range of 7,000 to 9,000 calories is roughly one kilo per week, right? So if we want to lose one kilo per week, we need to be in a deficit across that week of somewhere in the range of 7,000 to 9,000 calories, right? So you can kind of reverse engineer that and go, right, I lost one kilo per week, or I lost one kilo of weight this week. And let's assume it was actual fat, right? That means we'll choose the lower end, 7,000. It's an easier number to deal with. That means that you were in roughly 1,000 calorie deficit per day, right? So that's, that's where it's at, right? So you can use that information and you go, okay, so that means that my maintenance is roughly whatever number. Let's say you were eating, again, let's make the numbers easy, 2,000 calories each day. 
and you lost a kilo per week, you can be like, okay, that means I'm in roughly a thousand calorie deficit each day. That means my maintenance calories are roughly 3000, right? Now, that's an ideal world. That's a like, yeah, okay, cool. All the numbers make sense. Everything's perfect. We don't have to account for water weight. We don't have to account for X, Y, and Z. Unfortunately, that's not the way the world works. Um, there's a lot more that goes into this, right? Especially considering that most of your days are probably not the exact same. There's differences in muscle glycogen, differences in you know food in your digestive system, et cetera, et cetera. There's a huge amount of nuance, right? But we can still use those numbers to give us a rough, rough and ready number, right? We then go back and go, okay, so if this is our maintenance and you lost this much or gained this much or didn't move, whatever, we have some sort of guide of like, okay, so this is how the body is trending. When we eat this amount of calories, then we know roughly where maintenance is based on that, right? And again, that sounds a little bit complicated because you're like, oh, fuck, there's numbers around here, he's throwing, you know, whatever, but it's, it's not that hard, right? It's basically like, okay, you want to monitor your weight and you go, did I lose weight this week? on these calories, if you did lose weight this week, how much weight did you lose? Oh, it was you know, half a kilo, you know, or it was however much you can be like, okay, how do, if one kilo is a thousand, or if one kilo, if one kilo is 7,000, then you can, again, use, do the maths pretty straightforward in terms of converting however much you lost. It's just basically, it's just basic maths. You should be able to do that. <laughs> you know, um, do you have anything to say on that, Gary? Um, no, other than moving on to, I guess, the actual rates that we recommend, which I presume is next. Yeah. So the next thing then is like, right, cool. You've got that. You've got an idea of where maintenance is. What, what do we do then from that? How do we actually interpret like, okay, where should I go? Let's assume again, we do that four weeks. You get a lot of data generated in terms of, okay, I know I'm eating whatever, 2000 calories, 3000 calories, whatever it is. Right. And you're like, I'm eating that. And my weight is staying in and around. There's daily fluctuations up and down, blah, blah, blah. But you're in and around, right? You've built up some really good food habits. You've built up some really good lifestyle habits, etc. right? So we're off to a good start, but now you're ready to rock and roll. You want to get the fat loss underway, right? So how do we actually lose fat like where do we go from there so gary i come to you i know my maintenance now right i've done that four weeks what's the next step how much should i be losing per week how fast should i be losing and ultimately again because this is we're talking about the diet how do i then change the diet to elicit that yeah so ultimately what we're looking for in terms of ranges is on average so i mean over the course of a couple of weeks this is what your average rate would be what you're looking for is a rate of somewhere between 0.5 and 1.5 maybe percent of body weight per week. 1.5 percent would be quite aggressive. We wouldn't expect someone to sustain that for a very long period of time. Sometimes people can lose more, 2% body weight per week even. But again, that would be either someone who has very large amounts of body fat to lose or they're dieting very aggressively for a short period of time. The vast majority of our clients, we put somewhere between 0.5 and 1% body weight per week on average, if we're talking about a diet that's at least maybe eight to 12 weeks in duration. So what that looks like then is, for example, take 80 kilo male losing 1% body weight per week, they're going to be losing 0.8 kilos. Okay, so 800 grams. Doesn't sound like a lot, but add that up over 10 weeks and you've lost eight kilos. So it's still a lot of weight, right? So what you do from there then is you roughly think, right, if I need to lose 0.8 kilos per week, roughly what sort of deficit do I need to be in? And based on what Patty said previously, we know we probably want to be in a deficit of somewhere between maybe 
5,000 and 7,000 calories uh, per week. Let's just say 5,000 calories per week. So what does that actually mean? That means that you need to be in a deficit across seven days of somewhere around 700 calories a day. So that's on the higher end of what we would expect. If someone was on the lower end of that, they'd be at about half of that, okay? So 700 calorie deficit per day, 80 kilo male, assume deficit, let's say maintenance is around 3000 calories, they're gonna start eating about 2300 calories. Now, 700 calorie deficit, as I say, would be a bit more on the aggressive side. Someone losing 1% body weight per week, every week consistently, would be quite a, a significant rate of weight loss. And to be honest, we'd also have to consider that within the context of, right, some of this is gonna be water weight and other variables as well, okay? So with all that said, the reverse engineering approach there is fine, but what we typically end up doing is just saying to someone, right, we, we wanna be in a deficit of maybe 10 to 20% of your calorie intake. I think that's the simplest, most practical guideline rather than going back from the percentages and trying to predict all these things. 10 to 20%. So if your maintenance is 3000, 10% will be a fairly subtle deficit of 300 calories, 20%, a little bit more on the aggressive side, but still not very much 600 calorie deficit that scales nicely then with your actual caloric intake. So if you're eating, let's say 1400 calories as your maintenance, then it would be silly for us to have specific numbers. Like you hear some people say just, Oh yeah, do a, use a 500 calorie deficit, but 500 calories at 1400 is very significant compared to 500 calories at 3000. So what you'd be doing in that case is again, 10 to 20% deficit per week, 1400 calories, you'd be looking at 140 or 280 or just say 150 to 300 calorie deficit. So effectively, the larger your calories are, or the larger your maintenance calories, the higher your maintenance calories, the greater the extent of the deficit um, on an absolute basis in terms of the number of calories, but similar from a relative perspective. And the thing there as well, is that obviously maintenance calories tend to scale with body weight. That's not always the case, obviously, but it does tend to scale with body weight. And therefore, the, the lighter you are, the less weight you're going to be losing as well because it's a greater relative proportion um, of your body weight and vice versa for those with heavier body weights. Yeah, and I think it's, it's really easy to get caught up in the numbers in terms of being like, oh, should I be in 200 calorie, 300, 500, 700, like whatever number. Again, like you need to reverse engineer. The only reason we brought that up is because it gives you a good guideline because you can kind of reverse engineer and go, okay, well, I want to lose seven kilos, 10 kilos, 20, whatever it is. You can be like, okay, this is roughly the timeline of events that's going to take me if I want to lose 1% body weight per week, you know, I want to be really aggressive with things. This is the timeline that it's going to take, you know, like do it for yourself. Like, again, like I, right now I weigh about 92 kilos. So if I'm like, right, I want to lose, let's say seven kilos. I want to get down to 85 kilos. I want to shred it. Right. I'm like, okay, there's seven kilos that I have to lose. So what's that going to be for me? Because again, at 92, uh, 1% deficit per week or 1% fat loss rate per week is roughly, you know, nearly the guts of a kilo, you know? So I'm like, I could get that done a lot quicker. Right. Let's say it's going to take me eight weeks to lose seven kilos, you know, um, if I was to go on that kind of more aggressive thing, which is important to understand, because if you are a lighter individual and you still want to lose seven kilos, it's going to take you longer if you're even at that aggressive rate. Because, again, you weigh 70 kilos and you want to lose seven kilos, you know, it's like one percent per week is like 0.7. Right. So it's going to take you like. 15 to 16 weeks or so to lose those seven kilos at that same rate of loss right assuming we use that same one percent from the start but unfortunately it also 
you know, changes with you. So if you lose five kilos and you're no longer like you started off at 80 and now you're 75, it's like 1% is from the 75 number. It's not from the 80 number that you previously were, you know? So it's like your fat loss is always going to slow down as you get, you know, lighter, right? And it's always going to be effectively a harder process, a longer process if you are lighter. So it is important to understand. And again, like you can get caught up in all these numbers, whatever. But I think the most appropriate thing to really understand is that, look, a 10 to 20% deficit, somewhere in that range, right? So it's important that you know where, again, roughly where maintenance calories are. And then if you want to be very aggressive with your diet, 20% is the one that we go for. If you want to be less aggressive, somewhere in that range of 20 to 10%, you know, you can go for a 5% if you want, but it's just painfully slow, you know? And so we go 10% deficit and boom, we'll see fat loss from that. And again, in my experience, it does kind of scale relatively okay for like, if we go in that kind of 10 to 12% deficit or 10 to 12% reduction, um, you see roughly a half a percent per week. And if you're in that kind of 20%, you see roughly you know, 1% per week. Now it's not obviously bang on precise, but it's in and around those numbers, you know? So that's why we like those numbers, 10 to 20% drop from your maintenance calories, right? And we can talk all day about like, oh, should you drop it from uh, carbs or fats or whatever? Ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter. Use your preference to dictate that. Like there is obviously minimum numbers that you want to hit in terms of like fat and especially protein. But like ultimately, we're talking about calories here. So the two things that I care about most, I'm like, let's get your calories sorted and then let's get your protein intake sorted, right? Once those two things are pretty dialed in, then the rest of the stuff, in my mind, it's like, we're just focusing on dietary habits. You know, I don't really care if you're, you know, 20 grams off your carb number or two grams off your fat number. Like it's meaningless as long as we're still hitting those calorie targets that we want and we're hitting our protein target. you know? So that's the way I kind of do it and obviously it seems it's the same way gary kind of does it in terms of we're like look let's go for this kind of 10 to 20 percent drop in calories let's see how we get on with that and you know move on from there the one thing that and we did mention it a few times throughout this is water weight man it is the most annoying thing ever right and this is especially true if you are a woman right because like we're using these numbers and like we're basically talking it it as if we've just isolated all the variables and we're all just talking about you know oh you lose a kilo per week we can just be like that's a kilo of fat therefore these numbers are all accurate and perfect right but the reality of the situation is that you know there's so many confounding factors that go into what makes up your actual weight and also a lot of people get stuck on the scales where you know they get overly oh, I need to see this number change or else I'm a fucking terrible person and, you know, I'm not, I'm not in a great position. I'm not doing stuff right, blah, 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 right? And there are hurdles that you have to overcome either yourself or in, you know, collaboration with a coach. Like some of my clients, they don't, you know, they don't track their weight. Some of them, they're like, yeah, okay, look, I track my weight and it has no effect on me, right? But the one thing that we need to be aware of is that water weight is a thing. And what I mean by that is, there's two two folds to this right first of all like stuff like inflammation can cause a little bit of water retention now that could be around the digestive system that could be around the body it could be fucking anywhere right it could even be you know around the muscles you know you train hard in an area it's like you can have more water fluid retention in those areas but also and probably the more important thing for this discussion is that like stuff like carbs it does actually have water when you take well carbs don't have water well they do but they don't and but when you digest carbs and then you store that glycogen it's like it water is associated with that and there's roughly three grams of water for every gram 
of carbohydrates you eat, right? So if your diet is quite variable in terms of if you are, you know, basically only hitting your calories and your protein and you're letting the rest of the diet fall where it may, there's can be there can be huge swings in your weight because your carbs can be up one day, down one day. There can be a little bit of inflammation from foods you're not uh, used to. There can also be like, you know, more sodium in some foods causes some more water retention. It can be up and down, right? And then if you are a woman on top of that, it's like your menstrual cycle is going to play into this and, you know, water retention across your cycle is obviously different. So it's going to be very hard to see these trends, right? And this is why for women, we usually recommend like comparing like week for like week in terms of, you know, if it's week one of your cycle, don't compare that to week two, three or four of your cycle, compare it to week one of your next cycle, right? Which means that you have to be more aware of your cycle. And unfortunately, a lot of women, especially when it comes to our coaching process, anyway, they're just not aware of their own cycle. Like you, I've literally had women that are like, oh, I have a regular menstrual cycle. And then when we look at the data, it's like, your menstrual cycle one week it's four weeks or one month it's four weeks the next it's like six weeks the next it's seven it's like this is not regular it's like yeah you might regularly experience a period but it's like that's there's no regularity to this you know and that obviously is really hard to then look at weight loss because if you have a cycle that one month it's literally 28 days it's bang on you know and and then the next it's like 50 days or something it's like how how are you going to compare like week to like week with that you don't even know what week you're in you know so it's like it's just very hard to interpret that that if you are a woman and this is why we just try to look at that overall trend right and this is the same for males and females we just want to see where the trend is going if the trend line is moving in the right direction happy days we're we're moving in the right direction and if the trend line is again we see these huge swings up and down and then it's you know level it's like okay we're not actually moving in the right direction and what i usually use as a maybe you don't you know entering data into you know fancy graphs or anything like that and you're not looking at the trend line over time what i use is are we seeing you know regularly are we seeing new weight lows like again presumably fat loss you know are we occasionally seeing like again let's say you are 72 kilos and you want to get down to 65 are we saying are we occasionally seeing like a dip into the 69 you know are we occasionally seeing a dip into the 68 you know you might be like half the month you're at 70 but are we occasionally seeing those new numbers those new lows are we are we are we seeing that occasionally right because if we are then we know that we're taking away where we want to go because we're slowly starting to see lower and lower numbers on the scale occasionally i don't care about the day-to-day variations because clearly it's fluctuating madly you know but as long as we're seeing new lows each time or occasionally i'm like look we're, we're on track with things you know um but that is something that you're going to have to overcome on every single fat loss side every single individual that has dieted has had to overcome this and the really infuriating thing about it is that you do have this process um, where you know as you lose fat like your body kind of holds on to the weight the kind of set point weight and like there's various theories as to why this occurs or how it, it occurs like mechanistic theories and stuff i don't really care what they are well i actually care but i'm like look in this practical format i'm like i don't care what they are it is just something that you're going to experience which is you know you might be doing everything right and then your weight doesn't budge at all you know and you might be like oh i need to drop calories further again and you know go harder with the deficit or whatever and in reality it's like no like if you just wait like two or three more days maybe a week is like all of a sudden you see the scales drop down again you know so it's like it's very hard when you're coaching yourself because 
you don't know when to pull the trigger on different things. You don't have that objective eye on all the data, whereas like a coach obviously does. Do you have anything to say on that, Gary, especially in terms of, you know, water weight fluctuating? I actually don't think so. I think you've covered it. Fantastic. I'm going to just sip my water. So if you have the next point you'd like to talk about, we can get on to it. Yeah, I suppose just, just one quick point as well is that, you know, on the on the topic of water waste like especially as we as we move into summer now you know it is important to consider how your type of activity the place you are in the world the heat etc all those types of things can also impact your weight and people don't often consider it and this is something i come across every summer with clients where someone will get sunburned and you know they'll be you know inflamed the natural healing process of healing from sunburn and generally a bit of water retention that goes along with that. Um, you'll probably notice that if you've ever gotten like burnt on the beach and next thing, you know, you look at your abs and you just kind of feel a little bit softer. Like it seems like there's some water retention that goes along with that. And typically you will see a bit of a spike in weight, but it just goes to show that there's so many other variables. Like if you're training and your hydration status is affected, all these different things are going to modify um, where your weight is on a given day. So again, just, just focusing on the averages and appreciating that, it's not always a result of calories themselves that your weight has changed. Uh, that'll help you to, to make better decisions. 100%. And a general guideline that we generally use um, is, you know, if your weight is stalled for two weeks, three weeks, then we can consider a, a calorie manipulation. So unless it is stalled for two or three weeks, the calories are staying the same. You're just going to keep engaging in the same habits, you know? And um, that's, unfortunately the case because otherwise what happens is someone sees the weight go up one day or the scale stall or whatever and then they're like right drop calories by another 10 percent you know and it's like that's that's a seriously fast way to fuck up your diet <laughs> because what happens is you end up eating less and less and less calories and then you start sticking to your diet less and less and less which inevitably leads to you eating more and more and more <laughs> and what i mean by that is like you go oh yeah i'll just drop my calories by another 10 percent, and i'll get more fat loss and like that works monday to friday but then the weekend comes around and all of a sudden you ate 20,000 extra calories over those three days and then you're like oh fuck uh, I'll just go back to the same calories I was on and then it's the next weekend it's 30,000 calories and 40,000 and 50,000 it's like you basically just end up overeating and destroying all the deficit that you had done throughout the week and basically you've just created this binge restrict cycle where you starve yourself throughout the week and then you binge eat on the weekend which is something we do not want to set up like that's just not a good beneficial practice right so don't chase fat loss like on a weekly basis like let's have a, a broader view of this let's just stay the course with good dietary habits you know and then the i suppose kind of the final well there's a few little points we want to clarify as well there's a few things here once you've adjusted it let's say you get to a point where you're like i'm actually really really happy with my body composition my level of body fat i feel like i'm good with you know dieting you should have an exit strategy. You should have a plan in place in terms of what do you actually do next after this, right? And this is why we find it so important to have an idea of where maintenance is at the start because you know what it's like to eat at maintenance now. You know what it's like to just focus on good eating habits. You know what it's like to just enjoy the diet in terms of you know having a good general diet, right? So 
we don't necessarily go back to that maintenance calories because your maintenance calories, again, it's a moving target. As we said at the start, you don't just go, oh, I was on 3000 calories as a maintenance. I'll just go back to that because your body has changed now. You are lighter. You probably have you know increased exercise efficiency. There's a whole host of adaptations that have gone on, right? So we kind of want to reverse out of that dieting phase. And I don't mean like, you know, we're going to slowly reverse out of it, you know, add 50 calories here or anything. I'm like, no, what we want to do generally is if you think you're in a 10% deficit, let's increase that by, let's say, 7%, right? Just so we're like, okay, cool. We think due to the adaptations, we'll just drop off a couple, 50, 20, 100, whatever calories. It's like, we're going to go up a little bit more, right? We're going to see where maintenance is. Maybe again, like you're in a 10% deficit and you're like, all right, I'm going to go up 7%, you know? And you stay there and you're like, oh no, I'm actually still losing weight. Let's bump calories up again, right? Because we want to get back to maintenance as fast as possible, but we effectively don't want to overshoot that maintenance. We don't want to just go arbitrarily like, oh, I'll just go back up to the maintenance that I previously was at, which is obviously not your maintenance anymore. Or we don't arbitrarily just go, right, oh, I'm just going to add in 500 calories, right? Because what often happens then is you set yourself up to not actually maintain the fat loss. And then you get back into this binge restrict cycle where you do that for six weeks. You're like, oh, I'm in maintenance. And then you start seeing fat gain and you're like oh fuck this and going back into a deficit and then you just keep chasing that back and forth yo-yo up and down it's like no we want to set things up better for the long term do you have any alterations to that plan gary do you like to just do you have any uh heuristics that you use hmm i don't think so i'm adding very little to this conversation you kind of and you know this is very much our our basic everyday bread and butter, but like I do the exact same as you pretty much, you know, I should hope so. Anyway. Right. So the next thing then is, well, I suppose it's actually the first thing. It's like, you know, you should have an idea of like what you're going to eat or how you're going to eat long-term and we should be setting that up throughout the diet phase. Like that would be the, the kind of ideal goal. Right. And that's obviously you're going to eat a maintenance at some stage and maybe into a surplus. So you want to have a timeline for all of this stuff, right? And what often happens when you kind of think of timelines, especially when you go around the kind of diet culture, I suppose it's more bodybuilding culture because diet culture, generally they're just like, let's eat as few calories as possible. And it's like, this is, this is clearly not good beneficial nutrition habits, right? Um, but you'll come across the process of like diet breaks. And these can be fantastic tools, you know, and they can be fantastic tools to ensure that you feel good throughout your diet. And there's two ways you can go about these. You can go about them in terms of, you know, planning them. Let's say you want to diet for eight weeks and then you're going to have a week-long diet break, then diet for another eight weeks, then a week-long diet break, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's one way you can go about it, create a timeline for that. That's something that I really like. I really like coaches to understand how to do that. However, there is another way to go about it. And I also like this approach. It just depends on the client. And that approach is like, okay, we're going to take things as they come. You know, there's going to be some weeks where it makes sense to push. And there's going to be some weeks where it makes sense to pull back in terms of, you know, look, you're going to have a few events this week. There's, you know, social occasions coming up that you want to enjoy. You know, you're feeling a bit more fatigued from the diet. You're feeling more tired. Training isn't going as well these days. Maybe we want to deload. And it's like, all right, cool. We're actually just going to add more calories and we're going to have effectively a diet break this week, you know? So you can proactively plan it or you can still, I was going to say retroactively, but you're still going to do it ahead of time. You're not just going to eat more and then be like, Oh, that was a diet break, you know? Uh, but you can kind of be more reactive to the situation that's presented in front of you, you know? Um, 
for someone that's just new to dieting or dieting correctly, I generally like to plan diet breaks. And the reason for this is it breaks that mentality of like, oh, I just always need to eat less or I always need to be in a deficit. It makes them realize that, oh, this is actually what eating maintenance is, right? Oh, now, even though they did it at the start, generally, it's like, oh no, the diet was went on for 16 weeks now and now I'm eating that maintenance, you know, well, 16 weeks, they probably have the results, but eight weeks, whatever it is, you know, it's like, we'll have a diet break planned. So it's like, you know how to eat at maintenance and just enjoy life. You know, it's not a case of you like, the only way you know how to eat or to diet or to focus on your nutrition is, oh, I'm losing weight, you know, because that's also something we don't want to build. We don't want to build a system where it's all based on weight loss. When in reality, it's like, you want to build a system that's based on making you feel fucking fantastic and fueling your body, right? So we need to have periods of time where we're like really focusing on that, even if the main goal is fat loss, right? So diet breaks can be a phenomenal tool. Do you use them much, Gary, yourself? Uh, Yeah, I do actually. Um, Very much i would say reactive um well it depends sometimes i'm I'm proactive with it where if i know that someone has a holiday or something it'll be more of a social diet break is what we go with but sometimes what will happen is if a client is um just reporting increased kind of symptoms of fatigue like poor recovery from training maybe motivation is down i'll often use a diet break in those cases and it's very much psychological in nature and i'll typically couple it with trying to reduce training volume and i'll also instruct the client um even though like it's obviously not my place to guide their whole life but i'll say please take some time at the weekend or at the with the time you've made up from your workouts to get a bit of sleep do some leisure activities that you actually enjoy you know take your girlfriend or boyfriend or a friend or whatever go see a movie do whatever go for dinner because you actually do need to just have those periods of time where you do back off, particularly when motivation starts to drop. And so if dietary adherence is starting to be a bit compromised, I see someone's a bit slow to check in, they're feeling fatigued, they're sleeping poorly. That's when I start to consider breaking, bringing in those things. 100%. And as I said, like you can be proactive with it. You can be reactive with it. Both make sense. It just depends on the person in front of you. And again, this is a hard thing to do yourself. If you're coaching yourself, you're like, Oh, should this, like, are you basically just taking the piss with your diet? You know? Oh yeah. This is just a diet break week. You know, it's like, uh, that's why you binge ate. And like, that's not a diet break, you know, like a diet break is controlled. Right. And the final thing is, and I always recommend like, this is what we teach people in the, the coach's corner. It's like, you want to set up a timeline for your client, right? And you want to do this for yourself. You know, as we said earlier on, it's like, you don't want to have this open-ended, like, oh, I'm just going to diet for months. You know, like that's, you don't want to get into that mentality. You want to get into like, okay, what is the long-term plan with all of this? Where do I want to go with food? Where do I want to ultimately have the diet? Where do I ultimately want to have my body, health, physique, everything? right? And um, you want to have a long-term vision, right? And then you can set out a timeline so that you'd be like, oh, I have a holiday this week or I have a busy period in work. I'm like, these make more sense to really push the diet, really look for fat loss here. It doesn't make sense to look for it here. It's like, you can set things up more accordingly, right? But what I want to caution against, because I know this is again, what happens for most fat loss diets, they end up in this kind of purgatory, right? Or like basically a half pregnant position, right? And what I mean by that is like, they're not actually pregnant, but they're not not pregnant. They're half pregnant, right? They basically don't fully commit to the process. They don't fully go, oh yeah, I'm actually going to do eight weeks of dieting. They do five days of dieting. 
two days of you know eating crap at the weekend up whatever and they're like oh the next week they're like oh i actually i just i fucked it up there i'll just drop calories a bit more and then they they chase fat loss and they do five days of diet and then their weekend is fucked up and then you know they do two weeks of diet and it's basically up and down i'm like don't do that to yourself it is the worst of all worlds you know like you're not getting the benefit of getting the results that you want right so you're basically starving yourself five days per week not getting the results from that starvation and then probably fucking hating yourself with a load of guilt shame whatever else when you eat like crap on the weekend you know not to mention all the digestive upset and inflammation etc that you get from that so it's like don't do this to yourself right if now is not the right time to be dieting don't diet right focus on good health habits focus on just good nutrition practices good training practices etc right so doing that again having a timeline and understanding like oh this is not an open-ended timeline i'm not just going to be dieting for the rest of my life you're like i'm only dieting for the next eight weeks six weeks whatever it is that gives you more impetus to be like right i'm actually going to stay on track for these eight weeks because then i want to be done you know and this again comes to the next point where it's like you want to have an exit strategy. You want to have, what are you going to do after that? Oh, you're going to eat a maintenance. It's like, oh, your diet is actually done. It's finished. You don't need to diet anymore, right? It's done. What's the next step? Oh, I want to eat a maintenance. Oh, I want to eat a healthful diet. Oh, I don't want to actually track calories anymore. So how am I going to transition away from tracking calories? How am I going to go to a more intuitive approach? Blah, blah, blah. You need to have an exit strategy. You need to have a timeline for that. And you have to understand like what's going to happen over the next few months. Do not put yourself in a position where you are half pregnant and you're half pregnant for the rest of your life where you're like, Oh, I basically always am on the diet, but I never actually get results. You know, it's the worst of all worlds. So do not do it to yourself. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say, Gary. Do you have anything else to add? No, I agree. Just get in, get the work done and get out. Okay. You're not dieting for life. Get it done with simple. That's it. You know, um so yeah i mean i have nothing else to add so if you'd like guidance with your your diet your nutrition your training getting absolutely ripped out of your mind we do have some coaching spaces available if you're interested just get in touch you can get in touch below um our email address is there info at triagemethod.com and uh, you can also contact myself uh gary at skinny gaz patty at the real patty farrell or brian at brian ohengas on instagram um, you'll find all those links below if you want to just follow along with our content of course follow us on instagram at triage method and follow all our own individual instagram pages as well and you'll find a variety of useful information on training nutrition and all related topics and you can also subscribe to our triage method newsletter join the triage method community visit our website look at all of our archived podcasts that we've done before with ourselves and with guests and if you'd like to give suggestions as to what we shouldn't do on the podcast going forward, of course, you can ask us questions as well. You can submit them below. And if you're a coach yourself looking to support your education, you can join the Coach's Corner, which is our education hub for uh, personal trainers and interested trainees as well, of course. Fantastic. Anyway, I have nothing else to add. I hope everyone, if you are looking for fat loss, you get the results that you're looking for. If you need guidance on anything, again, you know where we are. You can always reach out. And uh, I hope you all have a fantastic week, month, year, life. Enjoy. Bye.